Hello and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show all about workers' rights and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast to you around the country on Community Radio Network. I'm Dennis Rogatyuk. On today's show, we will be discussing the topic of community organizing from the perspective of trade unions and labor organizations. In Australia, the concept of community organizing has regained significant ground since last year following the successful We Are Union community-led campaign to oust the Naphthine government, as well as the most recent Queensland state election where joint union and community campaigns such as Queensland Not For Sale proved to be decisive in the eventual collapse of the Newman government. Furthermore, select unions around the country have continuously engaged in campaigns on wider political and economic issues that sought to bring in vast numbers of working-class community members. Jobs You Can Count On campaign, for instance, by the National Union of Workers, has sought to combat growing job insecurity and precarious employment in the country by linking together industrial members with the local communities and showing how these issues are translated into problems for these wider communities. More recently, they have also initiated the Community Membership Program to bring together and politically activate the unemployed students and pensioners. But what of other initiatives throughout the world that have attempted to breach the divide between the workplace and the working class communities? For the first segment of our show, we will explore the current developments in the United Kingdom. United Union, the largest trade union in Britain, has made significant progress in reaching out into the working class communities most affected by austerity and initiating local grassroots campaigns. In a tune similar to the National Union of Workers, United Union initiated the Community Membership Scheme in 2012 in order to bring together the unemployed, retired, young people, the disabled, and those in very precarious form of work. By paying only 50 pence a week, these members had access to a limited number of services provided to industrial members, but more importantly, they were provided with a chance to campaign together with members of their local community on the economic and social issues that affected them directly. United Community now consists of over 9,000 members across the UK and more than 80 community branches in all six major geographic regions. United Community activists have successfully campaigned and took on the leadership of anti-austerity and anti-cuts movements across the country, defending the National Health Service, stopping the bedroom tax from being implemented, and and successfully fending off neo-fascist and racist marches put on by the English Defence League. So how does United Community organise and build itself? Joining us now from Portsmouth is Kelly Tomlinson, the Unite Community Coordinator for the South East Region. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us us at 3CR today. Oh, morning, Dennis. No problem at all. And thanks for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure. Kelly, I thought we would start with just a brief uh, introduction about Unite Community. This is a relatively new concept for, for the Australian trade union movement. Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, I was I was so pleased when my union, Unite, um, took this initiative on um, and decided to organise outside of workplaces, which is obviously um, where usually um, the trade union movement organises solely in workplaces and around workplace issues. Um, they've now taken it back into the communities and people's lives, um, actually campaigning on on things in in your actual in your lives that that affect you. Um, a lot of that is workplace issues as well, um, but but a lot of the government attacks are actually affecting people on benefits, students, pensioners, and unite as as um, 
recognise that there needs to be a voice for people, not only in workplaces, but in their communities as well. So um, I was very pleased when when um, this, this initiative of community membership took off um, about two years ago, just over two years ago now, I think it was in the UK. Um, so um, an absolutely amazing opportunity now for for people to join in or out of work. Um, so, yeah, that, that's where it all started. Mm, absolutely. And in a way, you could say it really gave um, the um, working class communities here a new political voice um, as well. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely. The the opportunity to actually have a collective voice on, on things like a, a library closing or... Um, or uh, even the the speed of, of the speed limit on the road, or um, the vicious attacks on on people on on benefits and job seekers, it, it gives people now an opportunity to to actually come together and, and and collectively campaign on these issues with the union's experience and knowledge and resources. Um, now, could you tell us how exactly do the um, community members organise in their own branches and? Uh, how exactly do they play play the part in the campaigns that uh, that you described? Well, in the Union of Unite, we, we separate into d- different regions, and I cover the southeast region, so it's the only kind of part that that obviously I've got the most experience in. Um, and, and when I started, I I actually organised um, branches to kind of mirror the industrial um, sectors, so that the community members, as they were joining, had the support and structures of the existing. Um, trade union branches across the region. Um, the, the the thing for me um, that I recognised was that new people joining the union um, and, and forming these new community branches, they wouldn't necessarily have the knowledge or experience of, of how to effectively campaign. Um, so it was important to actually link in with the existing structure of, of industrial branches. Um, so so what they've done is they've, they've formed and constituted um a branch in in their geographical community and mm-hmm. um, some of them areas are still quite large in terms of a branch some of them co- cover whole counties some of them cover more than one county um and they tend to meet around their geographical patch on on a regular um monthly most branches meet monthly on a regular monthly basis to discuss issues that affect them that affect workplaces in the areas around them, that affect people that they're trying to reach out to. And on the back of the meetings, they then go out and actually um, put into practice what they've discussed by campaigning out in the communities, whether it be street stalls or um, or demonstrations or campaigns or solidarity with our um industrial branches as well and supporting their um, their issues in workplaces mm-hmm. um, in, in solidarity. At the same time, the community branches remain, uh, say, would, you, would you say they still remain mostly autonomous and organic in their, in their existence, in their uh, structure? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the union, you know, is, is lemon and um, from every single sector and the community is no different. We, we want to hear what the issues of the membership is and, and learn by that in terms of how the community um, sections going to um, be infiltrated into the whole union. I think it's really important that we listen to the membership as to what they need and what they want. Um, so they, it's it's so important that they meet and have the opportunity to discuss issues and feed that in to the union. Um, they, they have the ability to um, attend as delegates what's known in in um, in our 
union in the UK area activist committees mm-hmm. where we have um, a mixture of industrial members and community members from across a geographical area that meet regularly to discuss issues in that area and that then can feed in motions and and um, ideas into the union and into the policy and um, the rules um, going forward. Mm-hmm. So knowing what the community members want is so important and actually listening to that and getting that fed into this, the system. And I imagine also that um, uh, activist training and um, training training provided by the union would also play a pretty a pretty impo- pretty important role in actually getting those community members together and getting them to um, organize by themselves. Yeah, definitely. I think training is one of the most important parts of the union movement. Um, actually, giving membership an opportunity to upskill or to learn from others. Um, I think our our training um, opportunities are, are absolutely mm-hmm. um, fantastic. I, I certainly have benefited so much personally from the union education system. And I know many members um, that I've um, recruited and got through training have, have told me how beneficial it's been in raising confidence and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the training is 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 quite different in the community to the core education program um, of the um, shop stewards and health and safety and union learning and globalization. The kind of core programs that we do within the union is, is, is one set of training. The community side is, is very much around um, campaigning in, in um, the communities, organizing, debating skills, public speaking skills, um, actually um, training people on how to use social media effectively, how to use publications to mm-hmm. create a flyer. So the training we're doing in the community section is is kind of looking at um, a, a much kind of wider training needs for people so that they are able to organise collectively and, and have a voice. And we, we have mentioned um, the sort of the relation between the community members and the industrial members uh, early on. What, what, what have you seen that has been the best way, so the best examples of community branches, uh, say, supporting industrial branches and vice versa? Um, well, certainly on, on the community members supporting industrial, it's, it's been recognized quite widely now on a number of examples how um, when there's an industrial dispute and workers feel perhaps um, vulnerable to challenge their employer, um, especially if, if it's precarious work, zero hours, or or just really bad employers that, that don't recognise the union in the workplace or would um, would um, attack individuals if, if they dare to speak out against any bad practices. Um, our community membership has, on many occasions now, actually campaigned for the workers highlighting the bad practices um an example was um in in tesco's um a big supermarket that the lorry drivers were having their terms and conditions attacked they were being um forced to sign um go through a, a, a lip service consultation process and then sign new terms and agreement, uh, new terms and conditions for worse terms and conditions. Um, the community members stood outside the front of the shop actually telling the customers what the employer was doing, how that this particular company was treating its workers. Of course, the community members are not employed by Tesco's. They can't be sacked. They can't be reprimanded. So they can support the workers um, and, and completely raise the issue um, but also um, when there's strike action or demonstrations in industrial issues, 
community members um, have um, a, a lot more time, um, those that are not in work, and, and they support in solidarity, whether it be actually visiting picket lines and, and offering um, that support and solidarity or sharing information on social media um, if, if members are, are perhaps um, unable to, to get out and about very very easily. A lot of our disabled members I know support very much um, on raising issues through social media and, and other sources, uh, industrial issues. And, and on the other side, the, the industrial membership supporting the community side, I think the industrial membership are, they live in the communities as well. If, if, if somebody's in, in work, they still live in a community. So I think it's really important that the issues that are affecting um, their neighbours themselves, their, their families, and they have the opportunity to get involved outside of work and actually supporting the community um, campaigns and demonstrations. And, and many of our industrial members do that, obviously, because it's it's affecting their lives as well. And uh, Kelly, what has what have been um, sort of some of the more uh, some of the bigger campaigns that the you know, community has been involved in more more recently? What role have community activists uh, played in it? Like, um, I mean, one of one of the biggest um, issues that we're facing at the moment is the the kind of real deep poverty that that we're feeling in in the country for people who are on benefits and job seekers. And um, the, the job centre sanctions are a really cruel blur to somebody who's already um, perhaps struggling to feed their families and heat their homes. Um, so Unite Community has recognised that job centre sanctions is is um, a real um, pressing issue that we need to campaign on on a, on a national level. It's affecting people in, in every community. So we've organised a, a day of action against job centre sanctions. And um, this, this day of action will be actually on the 19th of March, so in just a couple of weeks. And the community um, groups and branches across the country are tirelessly organising demonstrations and campaigns in town centres, outside job centres. Um, and I, I know in the southeast alone we have 12, I believe, demonstrations happening uh, around the region and, and other um, regions that have got similar amounts of campaigns. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, today, Kelly. And we wish you all the best with the uh, United Communities. Oh. oh, thank you, Dennis, for the opportunity. You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio Network. So far, we have heard from our comrades in Unite the Union in Britain on how to successfully organize and build community-led groups from within the Union. But what if the working-class communities are so divided and separated that the possibility of such joint action is almost impossible? What if the religion or political affiliation or the memories of conflict and war keep them from combining into a powerful political force? To answer this question, we will now go to Northern Ireland, where attempts to uphold the peace process and organize workers in both loyalist and republican communities has been made by Trademark, a cooperative-based political center in Belfast. Joining us now from Belfast is Stevie Noan, the co-director of Trademark. Stevie, thanks a lot for being with us on Stick Together today. Happy to be here. Now, uh, before we... Um, before we talk about the community organizing functions of uh, Trademark, could you briefly tell us about the organization itself and perhaps uh, how it was founded? 
Yes, certainly. Yeah. Trademark is uh, officially the anti-sectarian unit of the Irish Congress of Trade Unions. Um, it was a step, the current, in its current guise, it was established in uh, about 1999, but there was a previous organisation called Counteract, and which did similar work to the work we do, and one organisation kind of evolved into the other. Um, it was established far back as 1990 um, by the Belfast Trade Council, and uh, put forward a motion to Congress that uh, we needed to be doing something, I think we, I mean, the trade labour movement in Ireland. We need to be doing something a little bit more concentrated in our efforts to combat sectarianism in the workplace. So at that particular time, there were workers being shot going to work, workers being shot in work, workers being shot leaving work. And the union attempt at least to try and do something to alleviate some of the worst pressures of sectarian intimidation and harassment in the workplace. And so Counteract and then Trademark uh, was born. And uh, its main fu- functions today still revolve around this anti-sectarian nature. Uh, workers' safety against the political co- conflict in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, is that correct? Yeah, we were still engaged quite a lot. About 50% of our ethnic nationalist divisions that exist in the north of Ireland. Um, obviously, because of the peace process, and um, the incidents that are occurring have, have become less, which is a great thing, of course. So we're less called upon to do the work that we would have done perhaps 10 or 15 years ago. Um, we deal perhaps now with lower levels of intimidation and harassment in the workplace. Um, and, and because of that, of course, our work has changed to reflect the changing nature of, of the north of Ireland. Um, we, we still deal with, with, with that major influence, some, but they're, they're rare, I'm glad to say. Um, and so our work is developed as well, and, and rather than just responds and intervenes in crisis situations, and we've developed a whole raft of other kinds of uh, work, it's largely based around trade union education, but a very different kind of trade union education that trade unions normally deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that takes about fifty. That takes about fifty percent of the rest of our time on our efforts. Yeah. Uh, could you tell us a bit more about um, some of the uh, local and uh, countywide campaigns that Trademark has been involved in uh, in, Bel- in Belfast and throughout uh, Northern Ireland? Uh, perhaps the most, well, apart from the anti-sectarian work, which of course is ongoing, and that would include um, campaigning around changes to legislation, progressive legislation around protection of workers in the workplace. We've been heavily involved for the last number of years in, um, in delivering a, a kind of a new kind of, well, not new to the trade unions around the world, but new to here, uh, training and education on political economy and political education um, that we felt for the last 20 or 30 years. In Ireland, and particularly in the North, largely because of the conflict, there was, um, we were very good on uh, trade union skills education, negotiations and pay, and but we weren't very good at understanding how the system actually works. And so and in 2008, of course, with the global financial crash, People, many people in the movement kind of turned to us as, I suppose, really like a mini college in, in some ways. And they wanted us to come in and explain why there was a global financial crash. So, the last five or six years, we spent increasing amounts of our time um, getting groups of trade union activists, lay members, and officials into rooms to talk about capitalism, to talk about the latest crash, to talk about um, why it happened and what, of course, why it's going to happen again. So, last week alone, we've been in Uri, um, Belfast, Dublin, Sligo, all across um, Ireland working with different unions. Um, doing political economy classes. And it seems to be a real demand out there for them because people want to know what's going on and is it ever going to get any better. So, yeah, as mentioned, it places a very, very strong emphasis uh, on training and uh, political education. Because I, I imagine that one of the one of the main reasons for that is because traditionally there hasn't really been a left-wing force um, present within the Protestant communities, within the loyalist communities, yes? Well, no, I mean, outside the political economy training, which is largely with trade union groups, we would still have, we still, we still do an awful lot of work within the Protestant section of the working class. We're one of the, as trade unionists, I suppose, we consider the place to our hands, and there's a certain neutrality around our ethnic and national allegiances. So we, we have a long-term and engagement with um, 
various groups within, within Norland, particularly paramilitary groups and former prisoner groups. And so that would take up you know, a significant amount of our time as well. And that, that, that involves all sorts of kind of education and dialogue around Irish and British history and around the history of the Labour movement in Northern Ireland. And yeah, we're still doing an awful lot of work with them. It's difficult at times because um, the North still has an issue with armed paramilitary groups, particularly the Northern areas that are organised, that are still recruiting, that are still to a small extent armed. And so um, it's our position that you have to engage with the Protestant section of the working class, particularly the loyalist section of the working class, and, and, and pull them, if we can, to more progressive positions on everything. Mm-hmm. And, and we've been doing that since our inception, and we continue to do that. Mm-hmm. That, that, that hasn't changed. It's perhaps a little bit more difficult at the moment than it has been for a few years, which is, which is disappointing, but, you know, life is struggling, and you just get on with it. Mm-hmm. But have you had uh, any particular successes um, with actually bringing, uh, bringing together the sections of the um, working classes from the loyalist uh, communities? Well, I, I think the, the, the greater success um, for the Labour movement in, um, in the north of Ireland is that the Labour movement never split, even during the worst of the troubles and during the worst of times. The trade union movement in, in Northern Ireland, at least as, as part of the Irish Congress of trade unions, um, never split along ethnic or nationalist lines, and it kept that unity throughout 40 years of conflict. And mm-hmm. I think that's a significant success. You, you mentioned that you're, you're the coordinator, but um, how good does it organise within uh, within Belfast and within the within the communities? Trademark's a small organisation, there's only seven people in it, and they're all fairly skilled at what they do. We have kind of, it's kind of the whole is always great in some of the parts, of course. We have, we have linguists, we have labour historians, we have trade union officials, we have trade union organisers, we have researchers, um, we have tutors and educators. So everyone's fairly multi-skilled. We're a flat, structured organisation, so um, we operate as a workers' co-op, and we have consensus decision-making processes. And because of the nature of our work, and over the years it has been difficult, um, we have been threatened on a number of occasions, so it's good to belong to a small, tight group of people that you can rely on, um, and that's how we work. Mm-hmm. In terms of how we structure our activities, we're, we've been around quite a long time. We kind of know everybody. Um, we know all the gatekeepers for the various communities. We know all the people involved in the various political parties. We know most sections of the, well, all sections of the trade union movement. <coughs> and, of course, we know all the paramilitary groups as well. Mm-hmm. We're called into work with them from time to time, so... I suppose it's very grassroots-based work at that, at that point, and um, as I said, we were kind of integrated, and we had networks throughout all of the mm-hmm. all parts of the north, and indeed throughout throughout the island of Ireland as well, because we do quite a lot of work over you know, in the south too, and sometimes in Ireland. But, um, but the, the most important aspect of trademark, I suppose, is that we're kind of the non-hierarchical, and that's quite important. Considering mm-hmm. the what sort of work does it uh, does trademark conduct uh, with other trade unions or other other labour forces? Uh, in North of Ireland and or in the South. Well, outside of the outside of the anti-sectarian work and the anti-racist work and the anti-fascist work that we engage in, um, as I said before, it's largely delivering um, education around political economy, um, and that's become very successful. And as I said, very we're very busy doing that at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's a surprise, an unfortunate surprise, that when we review trade union education in Ireland, political economy is absent. Mm-hmm. No one could explain to anyone um, how the system works, why the system crashes, and how to get out of the crash. A simple boom bust economics, but uh, it was surprising that not only did, of course, the states and lots of people in media and establishment take their eye off the ball, so did the trade unions. And if there's anybody that should be able to explain to a worker why they're being sacked, where the job's gone, why the factory's gone to China, then it should be other trade unions. And so that's the position we're in at the moment, and developing and strengthening the trade unions' ability to analyse the system. And if you analyse the system, maybe your strategy and your tactics will improve. But if you don't analyse the system, well, then you're not really making the right moves. Within the current context of, uh, of of the peace agreement being being initiated uh, uh, in, in Ireland, and have you uh, have you been engaging in any of the 
actions regarding the uh, the, the austerity cuts or building anti-austerity work in, Not- in Northern Ireland? Well, yeah, we, 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 we are. I mean, we're all active trade unionists in our own way um, as individuals, and we're all involved in our own local trade union councils, which would be the kind of local regional structures for trade unions to get active. And the, the Stormont House Agreement, as it's called, which was agreed in December by Sinn Féin and the DUP, which, which was an agreement basically to, to impose um, conservative austerity cuts in, into Northern Ireland. And that's been organised largely through the ICTU and Belfast and through those local regional trade councils. So we'd all be involved at a personal level in those. Uh, at a, you know, kind of at a, on a personal level, as an organisation, of course, then we're, we're, um, we're engaged, we're part of Congress here when mm-hmm. there's demonstrations and when there's public meetings, we're involved and we're helping to facilitate those meetings. Yeah. Um, uh, and, but it's a difficult position for everyone, I think. The reality is, for Sinn Féin, I suppose, to some degree, um, they would argue that they are, they had no choice. Um, the only other choice was to collapse the institutions and to re- bring back direct rule. This is their argument, not mine, of course. Uh, and the direct rule would then destabilise the peace process. So they had no cho- choice but to impose these um, Tory cuts. Would be their own. The DUP, I suppose, would be quite happy to impose cuts because the basis of their right party. So you know they agree, they agree with small government mm-hmm. as a concept. And mm-hmm. um, we believe, however, they could have done more. Um, but our job as trade unions is to take jobs and services, and that's what we do. And uh, finally, um, just as a final question, um, have you seen uh, a lot of success in um, bringing together th- these two uh, working class communities, so the Protestant and Catholic ones, you know, the Republican and the Loyalist ones, bringing them together again, well, uniting against yeah, this well, as, far as, the, as far as the Labour movement is reflected of all communities in Northern Ireland, and the Labour movement is a cross-community organisation, Mm-hmm. It's the largest civic organisation in the north, and it's, it represents all, all you know, any ways workers in the union. In terms of um, the direct response to the austerity measures, the public meetings and the campaigns that are that are happening, and we have a major, we have a major day of industrial action on March 13th. All those meetings have been taking in place in places like the Falls and the Shankill and East Belfast, and places you know of working class areas of both Republican and Loyalist backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the success of those meetings and the campaigns, it's building slowly, um, but it's difficult. I mean, Northern Ireland is still a sectarian place. People still run to a flag before they run to um, anywhere else. So you, sectarianism is always there, and you always have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, you, but, but hopefully during this year, we'll see some we'll the coming together of, of, of those communities to resist the, uh, resist the austerity gaps. Hopefully. Well, um, thank you very much for um, joining us on uh, Stick Together TV. And, um, That's a pleasure, mate. No bother, anytime. If you'd like to find out more information about either Unite Community or Trademark, go to their respective websites, www.unitedunion.org or www.belfasttrademark.com. Also, we would like to remind all of our listeners that today, March the 4th at 10 a.m., there will be a mass gathering of trade unionists and community members on the steps of Trades Hall. Today's rally has been organized by the Victorian Trades Hall Council in coordination with the Trades and Labor Councils all throughout the country. Well, that would be all for Stick Together this week. I'm Dennis Rogotyuk, and I'd like to thank Kelly Tomlinson from Unite and Stevie Nolan from Trademark for appearing on the show today. Thanks to the Community Broadcasting Federation for its financial support of the program. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and we hope you tune in same time next week.